Thread, God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Hi there, I'm Chuck Quinley and welcome back to Thread, episode 73, Miraculous Healing as a Sign. Well, today I'm coming to you from the studios of the Rama Broadcasting Group in Auckland, New Zealand. And um, you know, I was down here over the weekend, and uh, my host, John and Deb Fabron, took me to their church, which is Urban Vineyard. And uh, it was just so refreshing to be in a life-giving church. We had children running around and beating tambourines in worship, and you know there was a time in the after the praises that they just opened the microphone to anybody in the crowd that might have had an impression and they felt like it it was from the Lord and the people came up and shared a few of them just you know one by one just a little bit of what they thought God had given us and I I got a lot of direction from that good solid preaching Jesus centered uh, a lot of fellowship and hanging around after church and loving each other and it's right in the heart of the city so you got that whole urban feel and people coming in off the streets and business people and mixing and you know it's the church that's the glorious church that God has set up so we're continuing our study in the book of Acts this week Acts chapter 3 we're going to try to cover the whole chapter uh, as we look into the New Testament church as a model for what church is supposed to be like so if you don't have your Bible run get one come right back we'll dive into this week's episode of Thread. I want to start with a question today, and the question is this. What is the meaning of healing to a terminal generation? You know, if, uh, if everybody in the crowd is going to die anyway, and if you heal them of their back pain and still they die, and if you heal them again of the cancer that they get and then still they get hit by a bus after that, if you can't stop everybody from being terminal, what's the whole point of healing anyway? You need to ponder that because the scripture doesn't see healing as an end in itself. It's a sign. It's a sign that God uses to prove that this huge story we tell about Jesus, Son of God, Creator of the world, coming to us, taking on humanity, dying as a substitute in our place, restoring us to the position with God for which we were created, reigning as Lord over everything. This story you know, it needs evidence. We don't have Jesus to point to. We can't say, oh, here he is now, and introduce him to Jesus. So by the Spirit, God does miracles, and he does miracles all over the world, just like uh, the Gospel of Mark says in Mark sixteen twenty. it says, when the people went out witnessing and uh, sharing about the Lord, it says, the Lord went with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So my friends, be assured, the day of miracles is not past, and wherever the gospel is seriously preached, miracles will follow. And we have a beautiful story in Acts chapter 3 of Peter... Uh, and John going into the temple and having this glorious miracle, a man who had been crippled his whole life sitting by the gates. Everybody had watched this man grow up. He had been crippled from birth, and they've watched him every day in the temple. As they go in, he begs for money, and uh, that's how he stays alive. And now suddenly here's this same guy 
and he is healed and he is jumping and shouting and causing such a commotion. And it, it did cause a commotion, a huge gathering because of this miracle. So I want us to look at it and uh, it's given to us in such great detail. And I think it's there in scripture as a case study that will teach us how to minister healing to the sick. Now, before you tune me out and say, yeah, well, you know, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a crusader. I'm, I'm not somebody that this is my, you know, my ministry. Let me uh, take you back to a a story I heard from Peter Wagner. Peter Wagner was a teacher, professor at Fuller Seminary in the 70s and 80s. And uh, he he was not from a miracle-working church background, but he became convinced when he saw Pentecostals growing throughout Latin America and that miracles were just a standard part of church growth, and these were just common, ordinary people, but God was doing things through them, and he took a fresh look at scriptures, and he determined that miracles were for today. And right there at, uh, I believe it was Lake City uh, Church uh, in, a, you know, upscale part of L.A. in his Sunday school class, he decided to start practicing healing. And his, uh, he's kind of a experimental kind of person, and he said, well, what we determined was that the more we did this, the better our results came because he, he wasn't interested in just anecdotal evidence. He wanted to, you know, know if people actually got healed. He wanted to track, did they go to the doctor and did, were their symptoms, you know, taken away? And so he said, we just found that the first year we had low results. Maybe it was, I don't know, 5%. I actually had immediate measurable turnaround in their sickness. And then the next year, you know, it's grown to a higher percent. And he said, you know, even doctors, everyone they treat ultimately dies. So, you know, this is a, a therapy. It's a medicine. And he, he learned to work it. So I'm just saying that to say, if you will determine to minister healing to the sick, and if you'll be humble and understand that this isn't something you're doing, but it's something God is teaching you how to use, uh, your results will get bigger. As your faith grows and as uh, you put this thing on and start to wear it and it fits you, God can use you. Uh, especially those of you who are listening throughout uh, Asia and other countries where God is just bringing the gospel to the people. You can expect great things to happen. Now let's look into this story. Uh, verses 1 through 3, it's just the setup. And it pretty much says the same thing I told you. There's a sick man. He's there. And he looks up, and he sees Peter and John coming by, and he's, he's going to hit them up and ask for money. Verse 4, uh, Peter says to the man, look at us. You see, he got his attention focused, and he got the scene controlled. He's in a public situation, and Peter feels the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He knows, well, it doesn't say he felt anything, actually. He knows he is called to speak for Jesus and do miracles for Jesus. So he tells this man, I need you to focus, pay attention, look at us, stop thinking about money, look at us. And the man gets his attention, focused. The, the scene is being controlled by Peter. You know, Jesus put people out of the room who were just distracting other people because this is serious business. Uh, verse 5 says the man looked at them. He expected to receive something. Now, he expected to receive money. But the point is, expectation to receive needs to be raised, not lowered. 
You know, so this isn't the time to say, you know, I'm not sure if, you know, if God's really going to do this or not, but I think we ought to, you know, give it a little try. That's not how you talk to people who have needs. Uh, if, if you watch those who do, like Reinhard Bunke and others that do have a healing ministry, you will see them intentionally raising the level of faith in the crowd. When God does a miracle, they want it on the stage. They want everybody to see it. They want to you know, raise the whole congregation's level of expectation. And then that one that really has a need, you know, their faith is going to rise up and they're going to be able to receive from God. I love the quotation in verse 6. Peter says, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Let's go to the beginning. Silver and gold I do not have. Hey, Ministry won't make you rich in money. Get that out of your head. God will take care of your needs. You will have what you need. But if you set out in ministry to become wealthy, you're going to pervert ministry. You're going to use God's people. You're going to make merchandise out of God's people, as the scriptures have foretold uh, corrupt people to do. So get that out of your head. That's not what this is. It isn't a career. You know, it isn't a, a good way to make money. Ministry is, you're, it's a humble, it's a noble thing. You are the representative of God. You're Jesus' hands and feet extended. So understand, God will take care of you. But, you know, here's Peter, big, I mean, who could have been closer to Jesus than Peter? And he and John both have to say, we don't really have any money to give you. Secondly, knowing Jesus and being born again and filled with his spirit, we saw that in chapter 2, will put a living power and authority on you. Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you shall receive dunamis, you shall receive power. And Peter and John received it on the day of Pentecost, and so did you, and so did I. And Peter and John put their authority on, and they wore it out every day. It's like, I'm going out in the world, I'm going with the authority of the Holy Spirit. So what Peter says to him is, I don't have money. I do have something, though. We both have it. We do have it. It is real. And whatever God has given us, we can give away. We have the authority to give it away. You know, I'm often in uh, situations in Asia where I'm speaking to a person or to a group, and they have no knowledge of Christ, no knowledge of the gospel. And I am absolutely certain about the power of God's word. So if I can get the chance to bring out even one Bible verse, because I know I've received this dunamis, and I know it will, we can plant that word in them. If they just hear it, it will start growing in them as a living seed. Now, if I can explain the whole gospel even better, because the scripture says the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. Now, here was Peter, totally confident in his calling, confident in his gift, and he practiced his gift at every opportunity. He says, in the name of Jesus, walk. And he took the man by the hand, verse 7, and he helped him to activate his faith. He's, he didn't just say, you know, God bless you now, and he walked off. He wanted to see the miracle completed. The man didn't do anything, so Peter reached down and took him by his hand and said, come on, stand up. And he pulls him to his feet. Wow, that's risky. I mean, that's where your faith is being exerted. And, you know, people who do miracle ministry, they, they have a risk. 
it's not, you know, that they can keep their composure and keep their cool and, and never risk uh, failing even. You know, there were times that there was a time recorded in Scripture where Jesus prayed for a man and nothing much happened. And he didn't give up. He stopped and said, okay, what has happened so far? And the man said, I see people walking, but they're big like trees. And Jesus prayed for him a second time. So here's Peter. He reaches down, takes the man, says, take my hand. And he eases him up and he helps this man activate his faith. And the man stands to his feet. Verse 7, immediately his feet and ankle bones received their strength. Verse 8, he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And later it says he was clinging to them, you know. He's just holding on. This is a beautiful thing. The fruit and the bonding that goes on between ministers of the gospel and those whose lives are changed through that ministry. Sherry and I have had the wonderful experience of ministering to people and seeing them delivered and seeing their lives transformed. And uh, I just think it's one of the rewards for people who sacrifice themselves to focus on others that uh, people are ministered to, and they love you so much. They bond to you. You are the one that brought them the gospel. You're the one who let them live in your house while they were unstable. You gave them food. You know, they love you. They love you like almost nobody else loves you. And this man loved Peter and John. Now, we have to acknowledge that that, that bond between these between these people who've been ministered to and the minister, that bond is also a, a door that's open to abuse. So those in spiritual authority, if your heart becomes dark, you know, you've got all this trust from the people. And uh, God help us to always keep a high standard as the Lord uses us to minister healing to men and women in the body of Christ. I hope that today's lesson has brought you the courage to use the power of the Holy Spirit to bring healing to people's lives. Don't be afraid to offer to pray for people on the spot. It's really a no-lose situation because what happens is a person with a need, especially someone who really feels their need the way this man felt his, uh, they're burdened by it. And now here comes a loving person who says, let me talk to God for you. And they lay their hands on you, and they care about you. And, you know, it's just uh, it's a beautiful experience to be prayed for. I've been prayed for many times, but I'm a Christian. I mean, think about the people who have spent their whole life. No one has ever prayed for them. It's a very affirming thing, a very beautiful, warm thing. And many times you're going to see results from your prayer, even more when you do your praying for people outside of church services. When you pray for the one who shares the burden with you, you know, if somebody opens up their heart and shares something with you, you have to understand that's a sign from God. The Lord brought them into your world that day so that you can witness for Jesus in their life. Put on your authority. Believe in faith. Tell them what Jesus has done for others. Tell them what Jesus has done for you, and then offer to pray for them on the spot Touch them with your hand when you pray for them and pray in the name of Jesus. And don't just ask God to heal them. Command the disease to go out. Peter commanded the man to walk. So 
that's a big part of healing too. It's not just pleading for it. It's commanding the spirits, commanding the sickness, commanding the broken bones, commanding the fever, commanding depression. Stand up and act like a person with authority and take your authority and set them free in Jesus' name. May the Lord use you, my brother and sister, in ministry this week for him. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. If you have anything you want to say to me personally, just write me, chuck at quinley.com. That's all for now. See you next time on Threads.